The woeful room filled with shadows didn't allow me to decipher where I was. I could see some chairs, a wooden and very old desk, a flickering light bulb that made strange sounds, and a dark figure at the corner. I didn't notice if it was a person or a giant doll, but it didn't matter anymore, or that's what I thought when I heard the officer's voice. What did you see in there? I looked at the door, ajar, and the shadows out of it passing by. Those same shadows reminded me of the silhouette I saw that night, shining by the moon's light, skinny and dead, yet alive by reasons I'll never discover. I sighed and tried to speak. I... Mark and I had an incredible plan that evening. Incredible yet scary and bold for those who don't love what we love. I knew him since he was a little kid, and we both grew up together and shared the same things. Hobbies, music, that sort of stuff. When growing up, even though our goals weren't the same, they were somehow related. He wanted to be a game developer. I can't even imagine how many hours we spent playing all kinds of video games when we were kids. And I, on the other hand, wanted to be a writer. When we discovered what we wanted to do, we still shared our knowledge and adventures. We still played video games and read a lot, even though not as much as we used to do. We were going to the same college, and even though we didn't study the same things... We managed to see each other after classes or during breaks. Our favorite thing to do was to go to the library and read really old books about interesting facts that we'd later discuss. We also loved playing football or just going out to eat. One of the most recent plans we had was to go camping. Our city was surrounded with the woods and the first time we did it, we had a blast. We didn't go deep into the woods. We stayed near the road. We could actually see it from where we were. We set up our tent, turned our flashlights on, took some books out of the bag, and looked for our potato chips. We stayed there almost until 5 or 6 in the morning. Then we stood up, took our bikes, and went home again. It definitely became one of our favorite plans, and we talked about doing it again. Also, it provided us really good ideas for the little projects that we had in mind. Nevertheless, three months passed by. Although we saw each other a lot, we never mentioned it again. Until that very damn day, when I took my phone out and saw his message. Hey, head over to my house. I've got something to show you. Then I felt something on my shoulder. <sighs> Stacy... You scared me. Hey, yeah, well, have you got any plans tonight? She asked. Actually, I said. I saw my phone again. Actually, I do, yeah. I'm going to Mark's right now. He's got something to show me. Oh, it's okay. She said and left. I put my phone in my pocket and left. My bike was near the entrance. Whenever I had a message like that from Mark, I could expect anything from him, so I tried to avoid any sort of thought about it and just waited until I see whatever he wanted to show me. 
Going to Mark's place took me around 30 minutes. We spent a lot of time together, and even though I actually lived a bit away from him, it was pretty normal for me to stay in his house. So I kind of forget about timing. I must admit that, before getting to his house, I was pretty anxious about what he had for me. I arrived and opened his door. His family trusted me a lot, so I could do whatever I wanted. I then went upstairs. His room was on the second floor. Opened the door and said, So, what's up, dude? He was behind his computer. Lights were off. The only thing that lightened the room was the computer's screen. Hey, come over, read this, he said. I noticed his eyes shined. I got closer and started reading. Dr. Sanders was a scientist and taxidermist who lived near the mountains 170 years ago. His ideas about extending people's lives started with his work and research about taxidermy. But he tried to change the whole world by creating a substance that could actually prevent people's death and perpetuate heartbeats. Did he make it? No one knows. Some people said he left the country and died. Other people said that he was insane and died in his laboratory. But the truth is that no one knew where he ended up. I opened my eyes widely. Mark looked for a map and pointed out a specific spot. His old house, where he built his laboratory, is right here. We can go camping again and explore that place. If we follow this route, we'll be there. He pointed out another place. And we'll have to walk about 30 minutes to get to it. What do you think? I th think it'd be really fun. I think he'll be a really good character for our projects. You know, for your stories or for my games. Hell, for anything. I accepted his invitation. And now I wish I hadn't done so. Before 9pm, we packed everything. The tent, books, food, flashlights, and the map we needed to get to Dr. Sanders' old house. Mark's mom was not at home, and he didn't text her so she wouldn't get worried. We took our bikes, and with no moon in the dark sky, we started for the road that led us to Greenland National Park. A park that didn't exist anymore. That park, around... 50 years ago, used to be filled with people and joy. It was a very important national park that was built and renewed by citizens every now and then. There used to be pools, houses, swings, and all sorts of things for people to go and celebrate literally everything. But, like every national park, eventually everybody abandoned it. The surrounding woods made it disappear. When someone drove near the park, the only thing remaining was a huge wooden banner that said, Green Park, because the rest of the message was erased by the unstoppable passing years. And no one really cared anymore. People forgot about it. They found new places to decorate, places that will have the same destiny that Greenland National Park already had. Mark once found it searching on the internet, and he knew where it was. That was the only way we had to go. Otherwise, we wouldn't have found it. After an hour of riding our bikes, the road started to get lonelier. 
Not many people went through that route. It started to get smaller, with plenty of curves and trees all over the place. Still no moon above us. When we turned left, Mark said what I was waiting to hear. I think we're here. We stopped. I saw the old banner that said Green Park. It was dark, the wood was rotten, and thousands of ants were walking all over it looking for something to eat. An enormous silence pervaded the place. Some branches and the whispering wind started to sing. And when I spoke, I noticed my voice was louder than ever. Because no one was near us. No one could have listened to us if we had screamed. A gloomy sensation struck me. And Mark said, Let's leave the bikes in here, behind the banner. Set everything up. The branches and wind continued their mournful melody as we got into the woods. After the banner, there were two trees, one at the right and the left, and their branches welcomed us. We passed them and set up our tent. Mark took the flashlights out to see what surrounded us. I took the books and the food, and we both sat inside the tent and talked about the plans while eating. So we'll have to walk about 30 minutes. I brought batteries and other flashlights in case we have a problem. I'll leave this lamp here so that we could see the exit when we return. And don't forget your phone. If we can record something, we'll do it. We won't spend too much time in there, but first, let's see, I'm starving. After ten minutes, we left the tent. Mark turned the lamp on. I was glad he did so because when we took some steps, I glanced at the banner again and couldn't see the road pretty well. The moon wasn't there to shine and give us some sort of light to get out of there. Behind the tent, there was a muddy road. The branches and wind became louder, and more trees joined the orchestra. That road made me think that, at some point, some trucks and really big cars explored this place. My train of thought, in that moment, became very confusing because I accepted that I didn't know where I was going to after all. We continued down that path. Mark and I stained our shoes with that road and the dirty water all over it, even though we heard trees and branches performing a deadly symphony. Some sort of silence still pervaded that place, as though we were getting into another world. We had our flashlights illuminating the road, Mark was scared of finding a huge hole on the ground, and when I pointed out what was in front of me, I couldn't see anything. It was like looking at a giant black screen. The road started to get even more wet, and Mark's steps were joining the musical around us. We thought that, surely, there was a lake near us or some sort of place filled with water. Those splashy sounds were making me sick. So we walked towards the road's edge and continued waiting to find something else. In front of us, suddenly, a giant tree showed up blocking the road. A tree that we couldn't see before, not even with the flashlights. And during that moment, we forgot how much we actually walked since we arrived at that place. And Mark suddenly said to me, There it is, right to the left of us. There was an old house, with two floors and a wooden door, but what struck me the most 
was to see a gas lamp in front of it, and I wish I had understood everything when I had saw it. I followed Mark and we walked slowly towards the door, the gas lamp behind us. The pink walls cried, and an old violin sound was made by the door when Mark opened it. The door was ajar. We didn't stop to think about it. And, right now, I understand that we didn't dare to do so. We wouldn't have liked to hear the answer. In front of us, there was a very dirty carpet, an old sofa that used to be red, and some books all over the floor. We took some steps towards the books, and suddenly, they interrupted the symphony we'd been hearing since we arrived at that park. Our heartbeats were competing to see who they'll kill first, and our minds started to recreate more and more shadows. The whole house was very dark. Our flashlights started to abandon us, so we took the other ones and started to explore the rest of the house. At the right side of the structure, we saw an old chimney with black trunks, and we noticed that everything was filled with dust. Right next to the chimney, there was a long aisle towards the back side of the house. But, suddenly our flashlights caught something else. A wooden and very feeble stair. Although Mark and I were pointing out the stairs with our flashlights, we saw each other's faces, nodded, and decided to go up. Whatever we were looking for, surely it was upstairs, although we should have run away in that exact moment and never looked back. When getting to the second floor, we saw only one door and a window at our right, still no moon in the sky. When walking towards the room, the first thing that struck me was that there was a lit candle. We also saw some old and dusty books right next to an old desk. On that desk, we saw something we thought we were looking for. Walking slowly, we got closer. Behind the book, there was a picture of an old, decrepit man, with wide blue eyes and a mischievous smile that no one would forget after seeing it. Mark and I bent a little bit to read the book. It was a diary of sorts. By strengthening the vascular system and monitoring the heartbeats, one can identify when a patient is fading away. However, if the skin can be replaced, as well as the organs, all of them reinforced with a new substance that maintains blood and organs clean and properly working, perhaps life could. Mark got a bit closer and read something in the picture. Dr. Sanders, 1800 to 1872. He opened his eyes and breathed violently, because the symphony we'd been hearing out of the house was violently interrupted by aggressive steps. The candle was accidentally pushed away and my hand burned, but no light was necessary in that exact moment. Suddenly, the moon, that moon that decided to not go with us when I left Mark's house, showed up and made us see someone at the door. Although it was still dark, that brief light was enough to make us recognize 
those blue eyes and that mischievous smile. And then suddenly, everything became dark. The lights were totally off. The moon abandoned us again. And I can't remember anything else. I fainted. I was rubbing my hand. It was all wrapped now. The officer still looked at me with certain surprise and sighed every now and then. You guys were found in front of Greenland National Park. Your friend is at the hospital. He's going to be okay. He's unconscious as well as you were when we found you. You both had huge bruises on your heads. You must have fallen while running out of it. But there's something I don't understand. What? I said. That house you're talking about. It doesn't exist. It was demolished around 20 years ago. Then it became some sort of road. But that's another story. Nevertheless, I don't know where you guys were. All I've got to say is that that house, it doesn't exist. My heartbeats began pounding in my chest. I was on the verge of screaming at him. But I realized it was useless because of what happened next. The dark figure at the corner stood up and walked towards the right side of the officer. The light bulb made it easy to see those wide blue eyes, the mischievous smile, and a small title on his shirt. Dr. S. What do you think about this, Doctor? He smiled and looked at my terrified eyes. Ah, oh, he'll be fine. All I've got to say is that some things should always remain hidden. Am I wrong? They both smiled and left the room.